Welcome to the podcast at thatguitarlover.com. I'm your host, Ross Chevalier. I'm going to presume that if you're listening to this podcast, you either are, or you're thinking about playing a stringed instrument like a guitar or a bass. We hear about the necessities for players, and this time I want to talk about what I think is the most empowering pedal that can be used with any instrument that is being plugged into an amplifier or recording interface. Is it a necessity? Mm, no. Do you want one? Yeah, you do. Over the years, I've met many players of varying levels of development. Many were far superior in skill to myself, and others were coming up fast and going to pass me on the inside. It's not a contest. It's about making yourself happy. And unfortunately, a lot of these great players were less than happy. Their concerns revolved around their sound and it often didn't matter whether the instrument was designed to be acoustic or electric. These folks were playing plugged in, and that was where they were seeing issues. They described their sound as thin, narrow, weedy, lonely, lacking presence, just sounding not quite right. There are many things and treatments that we can do in the recording and mixing process to address these kind of issues, but not everyone records or is recorded although we really all should be doing so at some level. So, as I do, I did some experiments, being more data-driven than speculative. I plugged an acoustic guitar directly into an acoustic guitar amplifier because the guitar had a pickup built into it. Not my favorite pickup, but a pickup. I then placed a zoom recorder in an XY configuration, two microphones, about 12 feet away from the amplifier with the recorder on a stand set at human head height for a seated person. Kind of like where an audience member would be sitting if you were playing a small club or cafe. I set the zoom up for stereo recording to the wave format at 192 kilobits per second and 44.1 kilohertz. Pretty darn standard. These are settings that provide a high-quality sound recording with no file compression. Then I just played for a little bit. Chords, single lines, some riffs, and some acoustic rock progressions. To my ear, as the player, the guitar sounded pretty darn good. My own ability being the gating factor as to quality. Then I took the memory card from the Zoom, which happens to be an 8.6 model, and I copied the files over to my computer and played them back through studio monitors. The recording was incredibly accurate. But at that listener distance, the sound of the guitar was not doing it for me, despite there being a great pickup and being plugged into a superb AER amplifier. For those who know AER, I had defeated all the built-in effects, since most acoustic amplifiers don't have them, and most acoustic amplifiers don't deliver the quality of sound like an AER does. It's just playing, not singing. I'll be thankful for that. And while it sounded okay to me, if I was in the audience or listening in a general-purpose room to a live player, I fear I would have been underwhelmed. I think those folks with concerns are correct. Then I did the same thing with an electric guitar. Actually, I did it with two electric guitars. I used a Stratocaster and a Les Paul, both plugged directly into a Vox AC30 amplifier. 
I set the volume level of the amp appropriate to the listening volume where I was, and played similar kinds of stuff, perhaps more aligned to electric than an acoustic. Now to me, being close to the amp, it sounded pretty good, but even there it sounded like there was something missing, and it was a little alone. I recorded the same setup using the same Zoom H6, and while I found that the sound was very different, where there was a lot of guitar right up front, that was all there was. Everything else was empty. The bass and treble were fine, but still very narrow in the sound field. Long time to get to this point, but I had a pretty good idea for solution. And while adding reverb does help open things up, if overdone, it pushes the instrument away from the listener, resulting in a narrower sound field, or more distant sound field, unless you really punch the volume up, which can make things untenable for the listener. Now, in this case, the right answer was, and is, a delay pedal. Delays on guitars and basses is not a new idea. The great guitarist Les Paul did a ton of work that set the stage for today's delays. He really invented the concept of using multiple reel-to-reel tape decks to create doubled guitar sounds, and then shorter and longer echoes, and by adding more decks, or decks with multiple playback heads, multiple head delays. He also figured out that you could take the output of the deck and route it back into the input, and by manipulating the signal strength, you could control the number and strength of the repeats. And as you may have figured out from listening to other players, turn that up too much, you can actually drive the delay into self-oscillation. A side benefit which may have been his primary reason for the work, was that he was able to widen and enrich the guitar to fill more space. As a consequence of Les Paul's work and the work of others, many kinds of echo-type devices came about, such as the spinning drum-based Vincent Echo Rec, still one of my favorite delays and a favorite of the great David Gilmore. Then came tape-based portable devices, like the Maestro Echoplex and the Roland Space Echo. Then Mike Matthews of Electroharmonics released the chip-based Memory Mandalay. While it may not have been the very first, it did capture the greatest interest in the shortest time. It used a special kind of chip called a Bucket Brigade to create delays that had a natural decay and quality drop with each repeat that brought a lot of the feel of tape but into a more reliable unit. There have been more iterations of this pedal than I can count. But even today, pedal makers are still building circuits to emulate the memory man. Other companies started producing digital delays. Eventide produced the rack mount digital delay, and others such as TC Electronic released the 2290. These big, bulky, and outrageously expensive delays were state-of-the-art on their release, and were used on recordings of all kinds and some musicians even started taking them on the road. A digital delay is pristine. Its signal never degrades, and makes them popular with engineers and producers. All of these delays were usable for guitars, basses, and pretty much anything else. Smart engineers and producers even use them to thicken up vocals, and still do so today. The good news for all of us is that in a single pedal, we can get those old and newer style delays often all in one box. The sound quality and flexibility are so good 
that full-spectrum delays are immensely popular, but because they offer so many options, sometimes they can be intimidating to the new user. My recommendation is always to go into a good guitar shop and ask to try out a few different delay pedals by different makers and try them with a few different guitars into amplifiers. If a shop doesn't want to allow you to do that, well, I think you're in the wrong shop. For your first pedal, you might consider something that is focused on a particular type of delay. You don't know? Pick one. You're going to find out by trying them out. If you can, I'm always going to suggest before you purchase that you determine whether you like the idea of tap tempo. Tap tempo is a switch that you tap on to align the delay time with your playing tempo. A lot of pedals will do tap tempo, but not all of them will have a tap tempo switch and will require a second momentary switch so you can get that tap tempo. Higher end pedals will have this function built right in. I think it's also nice to be able to get different delay sounds out of a single pedal. In this space, if you're located where there are no shops to try stuff in, consider the TC Electronic Flashback 2. Sells for about $207 Canadian on Amazon Canada and similar pricing to your local currency. If you're in the United States, it's about 162 US. What's nice about the Flashback 2 is that it does a good job at digital delay, analog delay, tape emulation, the TC2290 emulation, does a real nice job at that, and it even includes a basic looper. For the money, it's hard to beat for a name brand product. I've had one since it was first released, and it remains a great, simple delay pedal. Not too complicated, lots of great features, and it works with any instrument with a pickup. So your acoustic guitar, your electric guitar, your electric bass. I know a violinist who runs the pickup from her violin through a flashback too. Adding delay fills in the sound field. It makes your sound bigger without beating the listener to death. You don't have to drown people in echo. And with short delay times, you can even get that Sun Studios slap back echo sound heard on early records recorded there. If you've seen the recent Elvis biography, you know exactly what I'm talking about. We agree that everyone needs an electronic tuner. But if creating a larger and more dynamic soundscape is something that you strive for, a delay pedal will get you there. Now, of course, remember that delay pedals need power. A very small number of them will run on 9-volt battery, but I prefer the ones that use and require an AC power supply, because then I don't have to worry if I remember to unplug the cables so as not to kill the battery. And you can get AC power supplies for a very, very low cost. And as always, thanks for listening. Please consider subscribing to the articles and the podcast so you get notified when a new one is posted. Until next time, peace.